Sota per Gimel Mishnah Dal 3-4. There is a great deal that goes on in this Mishnah here. The first part discusses what it looks like to an observer um, if a woman is indeed guilty of being a Sota and she drinks the water. So now, this Mishnah is assuming that the Minchas Kanaos, the 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 mincha that was offered is offered first, and then she drinks second, um, which was according to Rabbi Shimon Shita back in Mishnah Base, and this is like Rabbi Akiva. Um, others say no, as you remember, the Chacham is say that first she drinks and then her mincha is brought. She won't experience the consequences of the waters until after the mincha is brought. That's for sure. So our mission is assuming the mincha is brought first, which means that the effects can kick in right away. And that's the mission that says happens. Enemaspekas lishtos. She just, you know, doesn't have a chance. Literally means doesn't even get a chance to finish drinking the water. But the Gemara actually says it won't take effect until she actually drinks. But the point here is immediately upon drinking the waters, the effects begin. Ad morikos. Her face turns um, like, you know, like green, greenish, pallid. The boltos. Her eyes like sort of bulge out of the sockets. Vihi mismales giden, and she becomes like full of like veins, meaning the veins in her face and her cheeks um, bulge. Them omrim hotziwa and the people who are looking at her see this and they actually be moved to panic and they'll say, "Get her out of here! Get her out of here! Take her out!" So she doesn't um, cause the azara to become tummy. Now. This requires just a bit of, of clarification. This is what people are screaming, I guess, when they see her, you know, on her in her what seems like her death rose. Um, important to note, she actually isn't in the Azara. She's in the Ezra's Nashim, you recall, uh, which is the Charnikonor at the entrance to the Azara, but she's not in the Azara proper. And um, this Azara, therefore, means Ezra's Nashim, and which doesn't have the same halachas as the Azara. Um, they're basically, it was learned back in the encampments in the desert in the Midbar. There were kind of three zones, the Machani Yisrael, Machani Leviya, and Machani Shechina, um, which different levels of sanctity, depending on your proximity to um, where the Aaron was, and there are different rules in terms of Tum and Tahara. The Azara, and what's in it, has the same status as the Machani Shechina, and that um, you can't have any exposure to any Tum, including Tumas Mace, a dead a dead body. Um, but the next level out, the Machani Leviya, is analogous to the Temple Mount. And there, actually, you can have a Tamei Meis go, uh, who can't be on the Temple Mount area, is someone who's got Tumayot Tumagufo, Tuma coming from his person, like, for example, a Zav or, an, or a Nida. So the point here, says the Bartanura, they're afraid that she, in her, like, death throes as her body sort of begins to unravel, um, will actually, like, have Nida blood, which will make her Tamea, and that will be forbidden. So they're saying, get her out of here quickly, so that shouldn't happen. Okay? I I believe the point of this sentence of the Mishnah is just to emphasize that it's evident to anybody who's looking at her that she's on the way to die immediately. Im however, says the Mishnah, if she has zchus merits, which according to most means the zchus specifically of Talmud Torah, which protects against Yisurin suffering, and her primary zchus presumably would be, um, as far as Talmud Torah goes, that she is an enabler of Talmud Torah, meaning she brings her children to go to Yeshiva, she waits for her husband to come back from the base of Midrash, and therefore she's facilitating Talmud Torah, and that's a zchus for her. So then, says the Tan of our Mishnah, and we'll see the other shitas in other 
to nine, but according to the ton of our Mishnah, that will actually um, delay her her suffering, I mean, her death, I'll call it, and it could be actually for a good amount of time. That actually everyone agrees to. The part that is unique to this particular Tana is how long it could prevent um, her from dying. And it says here, She could have merits that save her for a whole year from dying. She could have a Zuchus that actually saves her for two. And even for three years, um, her death could be staved off because of her merits. Now, this doesn't mean that he, the paramour, the guy who she slept with, um, will be saved. Um, he Remember, he gets he dies as well, and that could happen to him immediately. It also doesn't mean she doesn't get sick right away. You see, she, you know, she is going to start her decline towards death promptly, um, or relatively promptly. It's maybe not not there that second in the basic English, but she'll start to decline right away. But her death won't come um, even for up to three years, according to this Tana, Rabbi Shmuel. Uh, because of her merit of Talmud Torah. Um, so says the mission now. Now we're going to segue into the topic of, of women learning Torah in general. Mekan Omer ben Azai. Ben Azai says, from here you see that Chaim Adon Lamed es Bito Torah. A person is obligated to, he must, he ought to teach his daughter Torah. Shim Tishte. So that way, if she ends up having to go through this very rigmarole, this very procedure, She'll know that uh, if death doesn't come immediately, um, that the reason is it's because of her Talmud Torah and her Zuchuyos that are protecting her, and therefore she shouldn't come to, you know, um, denigrate the waters or not think they're true and so on. So he actually says, Benazi, you ought to teach your daughter Torah. Um, Rabbi Eliezer Omer, no. Rabbi Eliezer says you shouldn't teach your daughter Torah. Kol HaMalamed Bito Torah, anyone who teaches his daughter Torah, here we're talking about um, Torah Shabal Peh, not Torah Shabachsav, but if you teach your daughter Torah Shabal Peh, Ki'ilu Malamda Tiflus, it's like teaching her um, promiscuity, something like that. Um, tiflus is not a very nice term uh, at all. Uh, the Ramah learns it's it's a reference to, like, you know, um, she'll take the Torah and make it into, like, you know, frivolity and, you know, silly silliness. Um, that's a much less sharp accusation, but you'll see from the context of her mission itself later on, Tiflis really refers to, um, like, intimacy, um, and it's it's not a nice expression at all. So the point is, she'll be she'll become, like, a sophisticated, savvy, cunning woman who actually will use that savvy to get away with uh, impropriety, promiscuity, um, says Rabbi Yezer. Now, um, Interestingly, um, the Ramam Shulchan Aruch codify this sheet of Lezer that a person um, ought to not teach his, Torah, his daughter Torah. Um, we're talking here not about Torah Shabbat which he may teach, we're talking about Torah Shabbat Peh. Um, uh, more than that, the Shulchan Aruch, the Ramah says, of course, a woman has to learn the halachas that apply to all of her mitzvahs. She has to know how to keep Shabbos so she can, she has to learn Hilcha Shabbos, but learning Hilcha Shabbos so she can keep Shabbos is not a, not a, it's not the mitzvah of Talmud Torah. It's just the Heksher mitzvah of of Shabbos, of Zichir Shabbos, or Shmir Shabbos, I should say. Um, or it may also be like a, a mitzvah of Yiras Hashem, let's say, Yiras, but but it's not a mitzvah of Talmud Torah. Um, so that being the case, um, the Shulchan Aruch, like I said, does say that one ought not teaches out of Torah. Already there are, like in the Chavetz Chaim's time, Ramosha, certainly Rav um, Soloveitchik, they, they they said that nowadays girls ought to be taught Torah. Um, the 
Chavetz Chaim says it's essential they're taught Torah so they stay on the right path. And not only um, Tanakh, but also like Pirkei Avos and other like Nadir Musar, Ramosha, Matas, and others do as well. Some focus that the point of the prohibition against a father teaching his daughter means the expectations of the daughter on the father or the father himself, you know, kind of forcing her to, to learn. But if she's self-motivated to do so, it's different. And whatever the case is, certainly um, in the uh, the Jewish world today, in the English-speaking Jewish world for sure, uh, girls do learn Torah, including Torah Shabbal Peh. Um, and um, that seems to be loosely speaking the consensus of the of the of the uh, various posts come today. Okay, so now moving on from that topic, um, the Mishnah continues on, and it says that um, this is now this is now Rabbi Yeshua, um, very possibly going a little off topic here. Rabbi Yeshua Omer Rotsa Isha Bakav Vitiflus Metisha Kaben Uprishus. Um, it could be this is a some learn that this like the Kahati brings this is a reason why one ought not teaches Torah Torah because this is how her mind thinks but it's not necessarily connected in, in my mind at all um, Rabbi Shua here is saying that a, a woman would rather have um, some like I'll call it material privation you know less like food to eat and other material things but have intimacy with her husband um, than having lots of food and other material stuff, but um, essentially not having intimacy with her husband. So that's what we say here, literally, rotsa isha bakav, women rather have a kav, a kav refers like a little amount, literally it's like two liters, one is a small amount of food. But Chazal many times, like for example, the famous Chazal says a person would rather have his own kav that he worked hard for, even though it's a small amount, than tisha kav and the nine kav that someone else, you know, did earned. And person would rather have his own stuff. The point here is you're contrasting one kav with nine kav and so on. So we have that here as well. Similarly, the kav like you know Chinita Mendoza and Shem lived on a kav of of uh, carobs from week to week to support the world. The point is the kav is like a small amount. It's, it's the idea of a small measure. So the point is wouldn't rather have a kav a little bit of that kind of let's call it food and so on the tiflus but have intimacy physical intimacy with her husband. Metisha kav and uprishus then having lots of like nine kav and lots of let's call it food etc. But uprishus but um, being separated from her husband and not having physical intimacy. Huaya Omer now Rabbi Yeshua goes further and he's going to list now four categories of people that are mechale olam that ruin the world. So now what does it mean to ruin the world? So the Barthanar just seems to say that it means that you know these people mess up society because they are misleading in their behavior and they're not you know and 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 they mess the world because of because of of their like I'll call it insincerity. Um the Rambam and the Parish Mishnayas, um and see Tos Yomtov, uh learn something like very fascinating to me. That it's these people are all inauthentic human beings. Um they're sort of lost their basic humanity or they're hiding who they really are. And since the purpose of existence was uh, for people to become yashar, rectify themselves, develop a relationship with Hashem, and you know, be davak bo to connect to Hashem, and if they, you know, are essentially lose their self, their sense of self, their identity, they become inauthentic people, lacking integrity. Um, you know, in my mind, like you know, when a, when a, when a, I can imagine an actor who's you know, after thirty years of playing different roles, 
they wonder like, who am I? Like, which, who's the real me? What's the real me? Um, so that person who loses their identity, so they sort of lost the whole point of existence, and uh, and that's that's like a, a wiping out the whole point of the world. So now, what are these four categories of people that are listed? The first is the chassid shota. Chassid shota, literally a chassid is a pious person who goes beyond the letter of the law, very religious, but shota, he's a fool. The point is here, um, his religiosity has sort of obscured his own basic humanity. So the examples are like a fellow who sees a woman drowning, who says, oh goodness, like, you know, there she is in a bikini, I can't go to her and save her. So he lets her drown because he's too religious and pious to go deal with a, a girl in the ocean and touch her, whatever the story is. So again, you see, he, he lost the basic humanity. I'm thinking he's a religious, a religious person. Especially his, his religiosity makes him not want to save her, but of course that's undermining the most basic tenet of of our religion, that you know, that we, we people shouldn't, obviously should do what you can to save someone from dying. And so on. The other example given is, is a similar kind of idea where you see a person's wearing tefillin and he sees someone drowning and he says, I'll first take my tefillin off for the sake of the honor of the tefillin before I rescue this person. Again, losing their basic humanity, making a foolish decision, the person drowns um, because of a supposed religious experience. Again, inauthentic person, and that, that's, that's terrible. The second example is the Rasha Arum, the cunning, wicked person. Examples given there are either a person who, um, like, he gets a hold of the judge in his case prior to his um, counterpart showing up, and he, like, sort of tells the judge his side of the story first. That's an Isra from the Torah already. Um, but the point is, once the judge sees him from, from his perspective, it's hard to see from the other way. So he perverts justice um, and sort of misleads the situation, sort of, again, Having like letting the judge have an inauthentic view of him and, and the world, um, and so on. The the other approach of the Rasha Arum uh, is a person who is strict on other people, like a post, let's say, who rules strictly for other people, but he's lenient on himself. So again, um, he people assume he's a very religious person because look, he's so strict, but actually he's actually not strict at all on himself, just on other people. Um, and that, of course, is certainly inauthentic. It's certainly a terrible thing to do to other people. Um, it's try, just trying to mislead people, and that messes up society, messes up him, messes up his, you know, his totally loses the sense of who and what he is. The Isha Frusha. Here, they were talking here about a, a, a woman. It's hard to translate this exactly. Um, but the idea is that um, the example given in the Gemara is a, a woman who essentially causes a problem, and then... Um, Everyone's panicking how to solve the problem, so she says she's, she says she's going to pray for a solution, and then she she undoes the problem that she caused, and then everyone says, "Oh well, look, it was you know, God answered her prayers. She's a tzedekus, and so once people think she's a holy woman, but actually she was the cause of the problem in the first place." Um, the actual example is an example of like sort of kishav and witchcraft, whatever. I don't get into that so much. The point is that she's misleading people to think that she is. Um, a special holy woman when in fact she's just a, a showmaker who, who's putting on a show. Uh, and the last case is the umakus prushan. This is something like the suffering of the of the absent. It's hard to translate again exactly. But the idea is Again, you got examples like a person who, you know, walks through the streets with his eyes closed because he doesn't, doesn't want to look at the women. Uh, but then he, and he's like, you know, walking into walls because he can't see where he's going. So those are his makos, his injuries that he gets because he's a parash, because he's so, you know, removed from this world. Um, again, totally inauthentic human experience. He's not that way inclined. The point of our mission here is this person is putting on a show, and therefore that's his inauthenticity, and that's the bad thing here. Um, alternatively, if it's a person who does some kind of like, you know, self-flagellation, he like, you know, I don't know what he makes marks on his body as if he's you know to people should look at him and say wow look at this guy he punishes himself 
to try to for penitence and that kind of thing, um, and uh, and they miss they're misled. So these people hare elu mechale olam. These people ruin the world um, because the world's a much better, much worse place because of them, or because they've lost their sense of self and as inauthentic people. They sort of undermine the whole point of their coming to the world in the first place, which is for as you know, each person's like an olam mala world to itself, and this this um, their opportunity for life and what they're supposed to do in this world has been has been uh, ruined by their inauthentic uh, and really terrible behavior.